Well, it's, it's good to be with you this morning. Um, man, some, some, some ups and downs there, right? Um, but, but today, we're, we're going to continue talking about um, DNA, the building blocks of who we are. We're talking about our core values as a church. And so over the last couple weeks, um, the first week, we talked about the fact that, that at our church, the whole family matters. We believe that we as a church are a family. We are called to love each other as family. And so that means that the whole family matters. Every age group Every person matters within our family. And so, so we are a church that believes that we come together, not just with people that are exactly like us or that are our age or have the same preferences, but that, that we come together as one, regardless of our age, regardless of our interest, all of that, and we make up the body of Christ. Last week, um, we talked that w- about the fact that we believe in transformation, that we believe that when Jesus saves us, that when we come to a relationship with Christ, we don't stay in that moment, but that we are called to grow more and more like Christ every day, and that every day we are being transformed into the image of God. And we as a church believe that, that we all are called to be transformed into the image of of God. And so this week we're going to move into our third core value, and that's that we are prayer driven, that we are driven by prayer. And so today I'm going to talk to you a little bit about prayer, but I believe that, that prayer is, is one of the most important things to who we are as a church. Our ability to be who God has called us to be comes from an intimate connection with God through prayer. Listen to that again. Our ability to be who God has called us to be comes from an intimate connection with God through prayer. It's not just about being talented. It's not just about um, who we are and, and what we bring to the table. That being called, God's calling on us to be His holy church is not about us and our abilities. It's about us connecting to the power source that is the one true God. And we do that through prayer. And through prayer, we become transformed. We become one. We become who God has called us to be. And so today we're going to be looking at some scripture. And and I'm probably not going to knock your socks off with just great wisdom today, but I'm going to read you some scripture that I think is so important for every single one of us. I think the scripture, I believe prayer, I believe our attitude, I believe our focus is so important. And so I want us to look into Scripture today, and I believe that every single one of us, I don't care how long you've been in church, I don't care what you've gone through, I believe every single one of us needs to hear God's Word today. I know I do. And so this Scripture is good stuff, and so we're going to look into it, and we're gonna, for some of us it's going to be a reminder, and for some of us it's going to catch us where we are and draw us to God And so today we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. And I believe that this is huge for all of us. I'm going to ask you to participate a little bit with me today. We've got our kids in here, and and I want us to have a good conversation. I I want us, there are going to be a few points that I ask you to share with people around you. And listen, just up front, let me say this. I know that some of you probably aren't comfortable turning and talking to someone around you. That's okay. But I want us all to participate in this. 
I want us all, whether it is turning to someone next to you, whether it's talking to your kids, whether it's talking to the, you know, somebody around you, or whether it's just you on your own, I want you to walk through this. I want you to look at this scripture, and I want you to let this teach you this morning. So Philippians chapter 4, 4 through 9, Philippians is written by Paul to the church at Philippi. And we believe that it's probably written while he was in custody, while he was in jail. And he's writing this to the church at Philippi that he had been a part of starting. And he's writing this letter to them to encourage them. And that church is most likely going through difficulty and trouble. And so Paul is writing from trouble to trouble and giving this instruction. So I want you to hear this. This is good stuff. I want you to keep in mind where this is written from and where it's written to. It's written from a missionary of Christ that that is in trouble to a people, to a church that is struggling. And so I want you to keep that in mind as we read Scripture. Just these first words are going to knock you out right here. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So so this scripture is written from Paul, probably from, from jail, from trouble, to this church. And what does he say? Rejoice. Okay, I told you to participate. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, rejoice. Are you seeing some smile? I see some smiles. All right, did any of you, did, did any of you, here, I, I won't ask you to raise your hand because I don't want to out anyone, but did any of you turn to the person next to you and say, rejoice, and they were like, meh. <laughs> anyone in there? Yeah. All right, do it again. Turn to the person next to you and say, rejoice. rejoice. There you go. That's Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Paul's message from trouble to trouble is rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Listen, I I don't know where you are or what you've been going through, but we are called to rejoice in the Lord. And and so this morning, we're going to look at rejoicing in the Lord. I say this time and time again. But we as followers of Christ, we as God's church, should be different than the world around us. More than anything else, we should reflect God's love and God's hope and God's peace. And so when we're in trouble, and when we're talking to trouble, when we're, when we're in the midst of it, We are called to rejoice. We are called to be different. I believe that when the doors of this church open up and, and we go out today and we go out into our community, the people of our community should look at us and say, man, what's with those people? They're just, they're a rejoicing people. We are called to rejoice. I hope you're taking what the people next to you told you, rejoice. Today is a good day. We are called to rejoice, but there are three really important words right there that we can't miss, and it's the key to rejoicing. Rejoice in the Lord. It doesn't say rejoice when it goes your way. It doesn't say rejoice because you're rich. It doesn't say rejoice because you have everything you've ever wanted. It says rejoice 
in the Lord. Paul is writing from jail, and his message is rejoice. How can we rejoice when we're in the midst of trouble? We rejoice in the Lord, because in God we have everything we need to be a joyful, rejoicing, hopeful people. Listen to that again. Listen to that. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. It doesn't matter how bad the situation around you is going. It doesn't matter what happens in the world around us. We can rejoice in the Lord because we serve a God of hope and peace and power. And even when our families are going through difficult times, we can rejoice because we serve a God that's bigger than that. And even when there's shootings happening and even when there's difficulty, we can rejoice because we're God's people and we know that God is over all. So rejoice in the Lord. The one thing that will be constant for you all through life, it's not that everything will happen the same way. It's not that you're going to get everything you've ever wanted. It's that God is God and God loves you and God offers you peace and joy in the midst of what you face. Rejoice in the Lord. I'll be honest with you. I think sometimes we, it's easy to mess this up. Sometimes it's easy to look around and see the, the storms around us and start to get down. And, and even as a church, I think sometimes it's easy for us to, to look at what's going on in the world around us and, and just shake our, our head and say, woe is me. We are called to rejoice. We're called to be a people of hope. We are called to model that for the world around us. And so we are to be a people of joy, a people of peace, a people of hope. We can't dwell in the bad. We can't have a spirit of defeat. We are to rejoice in the Lord, in the Lord, because we have God. I remember... When I was in high school, it was really when I was early in high school, I was in ninth grade, and, and, and I wasn't as um, filled out as I am now, I'll use that term, I wasn't as filled out as I am now physically, I was a, just a skinny little beanpole of a kid, and, and I was still tall, I was about this height, but I, was, I, I didn't weigh much, and, and so I played basketball, and I remember like we would go to tournaments, and, and you know, one thing that's silly about us guys, I mean, men, I I don't think I'm weird in this, but one thing that's silly about us guys is that, that we tend to have like a bravado about us, right, and like a toughness, and when we would go to basketball camp, I always remember that like there would be other teams there, and you had to like look tough, right, when you're walking by that team. It's really hard for a, for a kid that's 6'4 and like 175 to look tough, but we had a guy named Tyrone on our team, and Tyrone was 6'4", and he was like a bodybuilder. I mean, he had like 1% body fat and was just, I mean, his muscles were bigger, his, his arm muscles were bigger than my legs. And, and I remember like when we would walk by these teams, I walked a little bit differently when I was walking with Tyrone, right? Because all of a sudden, I'm not some scrawny kid. I'm, I'm the scrawny kid that's with Tyrone. And like, yeah, what do you got to say to me now? Yeah, you're scared of me, aren't you? No, you're not. No, I'm uh... You're not scared of me, you're scared of him. That's what we're talking about here. Rejoice because we have God. God is all we need. No matter what we face, no matter what the scary situations around us, we've got God. And God has always and will always triumph 
over evil and over trouble. And so rejoice in the Lord. It goes on, it says, let your gentleness be known to all. This is a calling to all of us. Let your gentleness be known to all. The word there used is epiakasi. And that is gentleness, that's mildness, that's patience. Let your patience, let your mildness, let your, let your goodness, let your gentleness be known to all. What Paul is saying is even in the midst of your trouble, others should see you and they should see that you have a hope, that you have a patience, that you have a peace, that you have a gentleness. Why? Because you can rejoice in the Lord. One of the things I read said this, this word describes the heart of a person, this, this gentleness, this word describes the heart of a person who will let the Lord fight his battles. It describes a person who is really free to let go of his anxieties and all the things that cause him stress because he knows that the Lord will take up his cause. That's good stuff right there. Somebody, that let your gentleness be known. Let the world around you see that, that you're, you're okay in the midst of all of it, that you don't have to worry about that stress because you know that you've got a God that's fighting your battles for you and that will sustain you through the difficult times and that will walk with you every step of the way. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are called to rejoice. You are called to rejoice in the Lord. You don't have Tyrone walking next to you, but you've got God. And that's all you could ever need to be a person who's joyful, who's rejoicing, and who's living out God's hope. The text goes on. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. It says, don't be anxious about anything. How many of you are failing that challenge today? Don't be anxious about anything. Some of, I see some with two hands. That's good. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. That word anxious is, it can be translated troubled. Don't be troubled by anything. Don't be anxious. Don't be worried about it. But in every situation, by prayer with, and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. That's easier said than done, isn't it? It's easier said than done to not be anxious about the things around us. It's easier said than done when we're going through the midst of a storm to not be anxious. But, but luckily, Paul gives us the solution he doesn't just say, don't be anxious. He says, don't be anxious, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In other words, I'm walking with my basketball team and some trouble comes up. And, oh no, I got Tyrone next to me. Like, hey buddy, can you help me out? Don't be anxious. Don't worry about it. Don't get thrown off. Don't be troubled. But in everything, take your request to God. Here's the problem. When we are anxious, we are, we're not very often joyful. When we are people that are caught up in anxiety, when we're worried, when we're troubled, we fail to be joyful. We fail to rejoice. And I'll take it a step further. We fail to be 
the people of hope that God has called us and created us to be. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. A spirit of anxiety flows from a lack of trust and security in God. We have God. It says rejoice in the Lord. Don't be anxious because you've got God. And if you're anxious and you're struggling, listen, I'm not trying to beat you down today because I am every bit as guilty as any of you of getting anxious at times. But the truth of the matter is, you don't have to because we have God. And so Paul follows the call to avoid anxiety with a guide for how to do it. And that's to give everything to God. But in everything, present your request to God. So anxiety is the enemy of joy. We are called to joy. Anxiety is the enemy of joy. And the cure to anxiety and the key to joy is prayer, is communication, is an intimate connection with the God that walks by us every step of the way. Listen, I want you to hear me very, very very carefully, church, we are called to be a people that rejoice. We are called to be a people that live at peace in the midst of the difficulty around us. And so, I, once again, I don't know what you're going through. You may be struggling with just, just sadness. You may be struggling with something really heavy. Take it to God. You may be mad about something. This, this happens a lot in the church where, where we just get mad about something and we're troubled because something's not right. Paul says, take it to God. Pray about it. When you have anxiety, if you allow anxiety, whether it's, whether it's anxiousness and trouble or whether it's anger and frustration, when you allow that stuff to control you and to take over the way you are, guess what? You're going to lose your joy and you're going to lose what you really are called to be, which is a, a person of hope and rejoicing in Christ. And so Paul says, take your anxieties to God. God is bigger than them. God can handle them. Let, let, let me just be really upfront with you and honest with you. Easter Sunday morning, I sat right over there. And I don't get nervous very often to get up here. I, I, I mean, I get nervous through the week, but like, I don't very often sit over there and just think like, oh no, I got to get up in front of them. But Easter Sunday morning, I looked around and man, this place was just packed and there was energy and I looked around, and, and you know, I should have thought, this is awesome. Guess what I thought? Oh, no. Oh, no. i got to talk to all those people. They're going to listen to me. That's scary. And, and, and something that doesn't happen to me very often happened to me on Easter Sunday morning, where I just got caught up in this heaviness and this anxiety. And I thought, God, I'm not good enough. I can't do it. And you know what I did? I closed my eyes and I prayed and I said, God, I need you. I'm not good enough. I can't do it. And you know what God told me just in that moment? Just in that moment of closing my eyes and, and taking my anxiety to God, guess what God did? God said, I've called you. And you have the opportunity, not the burden, the opportunity 
to preach good news. And guess what? Instantly, that anxiety was gone, and I was ready to get up and speak God's word. That's what this is talking about. When you have anxieties, don't sit there and worry about it. Don't let it beat you up, but close your eyes and take it to God because God is with you. You can rejoice. You can be bold. You can stand firm in Christ because we serve the God that's bigger than all that. And so, so I want to just take a second and I, I want you to interact with each other. And listen, like I said, if you're a, the kind of person that just doesn't really want to turn and talk to other people, that's totally okay. But I want you to interact with the text at least. And so it says, take your anxieties to God. So right now, I want us to put this into practice. And so I want you to turn to somebody next to you, or if, if, you, if you don't want to do that, take out a piece of paper, and I want you to write down the things in your life that are causing you anxiety and stress and to be troubled. All right, do it right now. Share. I'm going to give you a minute. I want you to share with each other. Now I just want you to take a quick second. If you're still sharing, that's okay, but I want you to take a quick second. And after you've, if, after you've shared your anxieties, I want you to take a second and I want you to pray about them. And I want you to ask God, I want you, I'll, I'll pray with you, I want you to pray along with me and I want you to say, God, I want you to take these anxieties, take these things that trouble me and I want you to give me peace. So let's pray together. Father, all of us have come together and whether we did it on our own or whether we shared with someone next to us, we come before you this morning, and, and I know that there are so many anxieties and troubles and frustrations that, that are represented here this morning, and maybe some of them were just verbalized, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray that you would call us to be a people of rejoicing, and I pray that you would call us to be a people of hope, and so we understand this morning that you are a God that gives us peace in the midst of our anxieties and storms, so I pray for each one of these people right now, you know our struggles I pray that you would give us peace. I pray that you would give us hope this morning. And I pray that you would make us a people of joy, a people that rejoice, a people that when we walk out of here, others can't help but see your work in us, Lord. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you that you're the God of hope and peace. In Jesus' name, amen. You thought I'm done, but I'm not done. I'm still going. We still got time. I'm still going. <laughs> And, and so we, we take a moment and we voiced our anxieties. We voiced those things that, that cause struggle for us. What's the result of that? Paul goes on. He says, number one, rejoice in the Lord. Let your gentleness be known. And then he says, don't be anxious about anything, but cast those anxieties on God. And then in verse 7, he says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, putting our focus in the right place, casting our anxieties on God leads to what? Peace of God. 
It leads us to have the peace of God. Now listen, that's, that's not saying that the things that are causing you stress are just going to go away. That's not saying everything's going to be perfect for you. That's not saying that, that you're just going to have a cakewalk in life. But that's saying that when you take your anxieties to God, you will have the peace of God. The peace of God, the peace that only God can give. And it says, which transcends all understanding. That's when Paul's sitting in a jail cell and he's rejoicing and he's praising the Lord and other people are thinking, that guy's crazy. That's where we should be. In the midst of our storms, we should experience God's peace and God's joy. And it should give us this, this peace of mind and this peace in our hearts. It says that we'll guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. It will guard us. What's it guarding us from? What does taking our anxieties to God, what does praying guard us from? Well, I believe it guards us from not being who God wants us to be. It guards us from being a people of rejoicing and being a people of joy. It keeps us from missing it. Right before I became um, the pastor here, I had an encounter with another pastor, and I was just talking to them casually, and, and we were sharing back and forth, and I said, yeah, I actually, you know, I'm, I'm just about to become the pastor at this church. And this other pastor said to me, he said, oh man, I'm so sorry. That's going to be really hard for you. And I was like, What? <laughs> What are you talking about? Like, this is God's calling. Like, I'm following God's calling. He's like, oh, man, it's going to be tough. It says that when we take our anxieties to God, we will have peace in our hearts. And when we don't, guess what happens? We're robbed of our joy. We're robbed of our peace. And we can get to the point that, that we're just pretty sour. And, and, and we could be to the point that we're like, oh, man, Oh, that stinks. i got to face it. That's not what God wants for us. God wants us to rejoice. God wants us to be at peace. And so taking our anxieties to God will keep us, will guard our hearts from being thrown off track and from losing our joy. Prayer leads to peace. This is a, a really simple thought, but it's so important because we miss it all the time. Prayer leads to to peace, not the solving of all our problems, not getting our way. What gives us peace is prayer, connecting with the God that's above all of the things that we face. Peace lead, I mean, prayer leads to peace. Guess what peace leads to? Peace leads to love. Guess what loving each other leads to? It leads to unity, to being the same mind, to being who God has called us to be. In verse 8, it says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Let me ask you for a second. What is true? What is noble? What is right? What is pure? What is lovely? What is admirable? What is excellent? What is praiseworthy in your life? I'll tell you one thing. 
We have the opportunity today to be together with a church family that loves us and to pray together and to lift each other up. There is a lot, a lot that we have that's good and pure and holy and true, and it comes from God. Here's the thing. I'll bet it was pretty easy for you guys to think about the anxieties in your life, wasn't it? In fact, I'm willing to bet if you're anything like me, you spend a good bit of time thinking about those things that cause you anxiety. Somebody says something to you that makes you mad, and what do you do? You walk away and you think about it, and you get upset about it, and, and we even go to the point as humans, the way our minds work, that we try to construct stories that help us understand what we've experienced. We spend a lot of time thinking about our anxieties, don't we? And what Paul says is, what you need to be thinking about is what's good. You need to be thinking about what's right, what's true, what's pure. This is super important for us. If we spend all of our time focusing on the things in our life that cause us trouble and anxiety, we will not be the joyful, holy people that God has called us to be. We need to think about what's right, what's true, What's good? And so we're going to interact with each other again really quick. I want you to turn to the person next to you. I want you to write down on a piece of paper if you don't want to do that. What should we be thinking about? Go ahead. Take some time. I want to challenge you to dwell on those things. I want to challenge you to dwell on the good things that God has done for you. The fact that we have the ability to be here. The fact that even though I'm imperfect and I struggle and I doubt myself and I fail and I mess up, God still loves me. That's, that's pretty good stuff. I'd much rather be thinking about that than things that people say to me that are not nice. Think about what's good. I want you to dwell on that stuff. Prayer gives us the focus and the power to be a people of joy. Prayer gives us the focus and power to be a people of God, a people of hope in the midst of a fallen world. And the way we do that is by taking the things that burden us and giving them to God and focusing on the good things that God has for us. Prayer allows us not just to survive as God's people, not just to weather the storm. Prayer gives us the ability to rejoice in the storm to where people see us and they say, I don't know how they do it, but man, they've got something different. You know what we have? We have God. This is from um, Spurgeon. It says, people who are very happy, especially those who are very happy in the Lord, are not apt to give offense or to take offense. Their minds, listen, I love the way this is worded, their minds are so sweetly occupied with higher things that they are not easily distracted by the little troubles which naturally arise among such imperfect creatures as we are. Joy in the Lord is the cure for all discord. Listen, we are called, we are called to be a people of joy, to be a people of hope. And the key to that is prayer. Verse 9, Paul goes on and he says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the peace of God will be with you. Do you know what Paul just said? Don't just nod your head in church. Put it into practice. Don't just say amen. Put it into practice. Don't just be hearers of God's word, but be doers of God's word. 
And so we are called to focus on what's good and to give God our anxieties, and we need to put that into practice every single day. Tomorrow, if you find yourself dwelling on something negative, you need to get rid of that, and you need to give it to God, and you need to focus on the goodness that God has for us. So, so we're going to close out this service by practicing this concept, something that we do in the church quite a bit. We do it once a month here. It's been done in the church for thousands of years. We're going to take communion together because this is a way that we focus on what's good, on what's right, on what's true. In Luke chapter 22, it says, and he took the bread, this is Jesus with his disciples um, at their last meal together, he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body for you. Listen to this last part. Do this in remembrance of me. Do you know what Jesus is saying? Soon I'm going to be gone and one of the most important things you can do is to remember me to remember who I am and what I stood for and what I've done here. And so he says, this is my body broken for you and do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so today we're going to do communion a little bit different. Today as we do communion, I want you to focus on a few specific Uh, distinct things. I want you to focus on what these elements represent, the good that these elements represent. I want you to focus on the fact that Jesus loved you so much that he was willing to give his very life to, to have his body broken and his blood poured out so that you could have life to the fullest. That's something that's worth thinking about this morning. I want you to think about the fact That he died so that you don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in anxiety, but you can live free. And you can be joyful. And as we take communion, I want you to also understand that his death was not the end. But that he was raised to life because God has defeated sin and death. And so this morning as we take communion, as we remember Jesus and what he did on the cross and what happened that we celebrate Easter where he rose from the dead, we think of the good things that God has for us. And today, if you're struggling, if you're going through a storm and, and you're, just, you're tempted to, to, to be dwell on your burdens and to be stuck in that place of pity or frustration or sadness, I want you as you take communion to think about the fact that God loves you and God is bigger than the things that you're struggling with. And so the ushers are going to come and we're just going to do this a little bit different today. They're going to pass out the elements and I'm not going to get back up here and tell you when to take the bread and the juice. I I want you guys to do that together. So you've turned and you've talked to people and you've shared your anxieties and you've shared the good things that are happening. I want you to turn to those people again. And when you get your elements, I want you to turn and I want you to pray together that God would take those things that are burdening you, that God will give you peace and joy, and that we will become a people of hope, a people who are rejoicing in who God is. Father, as we take these elements together, whether it's as a family with our kids, 
whether it's in a group of people that we've shared our struggles and the good things with, or whether it's just by ourselves, Lord, I pray that we would take the things that we struggle with and we would give them to you. And I pray, Lord, that we would focus on what your love and your peace and what, what your death on the cross did for us. And so, Lord, we come before you today and we want to focus on you. We want to give you everything we have. And we want to come before you in prayer so that we can be the people of hope that you've called us to be. Amen.